When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. No people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. Happy Tuesday, Fenway Rundown listeners, back with another episode on what has so far been a slow post-Thanksgiving week for the Red Sox. I'm Chris Cotillo. We have Sean McAdam here, first of three episodes this week, an exciting slate coming for you. Uh, I might let Sean do a big reveal at the end. For now, he's going to tell you about our Insider Text program, which is the best way to stay in touch with us during the offseason, and especially as the two of us head to the winter meetings next week. Yeah, no question, Chris. This is going to be a busy next couple of weeks. We anticipate not just for the Red Sox, but around the game of baseball with the winter meetings in Nashville, as you noted, we'll both be there. And the best way to stay absolutely up to date on what's going on with the Sox is to join our insider text program, our Fenway Rundown insider text program. It allows you the ability to text with me, with Chris and with Chris Smith and get all the Red Sox news first. Send us your questions, your your ideas, your theories, and we'll respond to them. It's a lot of fun. People who have joined it have really liked it. We think you will too. It's $4.99 a month, but you get a 14-day trial period that's free. And all you have to do is text JOIN to the number 617-751-6257. Then simply click the link and subscribe today. In, uh, Red Sox insider text. Uh, come join us. Yesterday, we had a story that the two of us broke that we'll talk about. Uh, broke for only a generous term on Jordan Montgomery and his off-season residence. And that's the type of thing where we sent that out to the subscribers before putting it on Twitter and, and finishing the story for the site. So that's the type of stuff we're hoping to do to really maximize that program. Again, if you haven't interested, haven't gotten involved yet and are interested, be sure to do that. Uh, we'll plug it again at the end of the show. So we are sitting here on November 28th. The Red Sox still have not added a starting pitcher. Uh, they have not added really anybody of substance to their 40-man roster with all due respect to Isaiah Campbell, the reliever they got for we could sit here and talk about re-signing Wyatt Mills. We could talk about some of the other minor moves, but um, I think we've done enough of that on the site, so we'll kind of keep it bigger here. It is, as I just said, you know, I get to Nashville on Sunday. You get there on Monday. We're five, six days away from when we are arriving at the world's largest hotel at the Gaylord Opryland, um, which is always a treat, not being able to find anybody you're trying to meet up with or food or um, no centralized bar, which for baseball writers tends to be the biggest issue. The market's starting to move. Aaron Nola, as we talked about last week, is off the board. 
Sonny Gray now off the board yesterday going to the Cardinals, three years, $75 million. He's a guy that both of us, I think, last week on the pod identified as not a great fit for the Red Sox because uh, various reasons, older. Um, you know, I don't think they wanted a 34, 35-year-old, even though he had a great year last year. There was concerns about big market after the way he pitched in New York in 2018 um, and everything that went into that. And so I think St. Louis is a solid fit for him. I'll ask your takeaways in a second. Mine are this. A little surprised to see Alex Spears report over the weekend that they were not meaningfully involved in the bidding for Aaron Nola. We had talked about that, especially as an innings eater, as a consistent piece, a guy who could bring stability, being a good fit. But not surprised at all on Gray that they, you know, most likely were not in on him at that price. I just never thought it was a great fit. And I think the big takeaway for the Red Sox is you now have, you know, one of the teams that you really expected to be one of your chief competitors in going out and getting starting pitching in the Cardinals is all set. They got Sonny Gray, they got Lance Lynn, they got Kyle Gibson, and they didn't really dip into the pool that you're expecting to be in. So I think that that, in a sense, is a win for the Red Sox. At the same time, the market's moving. We'll get to specific names, but um, it's kind of time to buck up, I think. Yeah, look, the only guys off the board among the free agents that I think would have been a Red Sox fit, as you noted, uh, was Aaron Nola, a guy that is a proven uh, horse, a guy who has pitched over 300 innings, uh, excuse me, 200 innings, three times in his career. Now that would have been, that would have been even more impressive. Yeah, really. That, that That's the guy that you need. Uh, but 200 innings, three times and over 180 innings, I think five or six times. Uh, that's the sort of front of the rotation innings eater that the Red Sox need. The fact that they were apparently not very involved is a bit of a surprise. Frankly, all the other free agents off the board shouldn't have interested the Red Sox. You mentioned Sonny Gray and the baggage that's attached there with his struggles in New York and his age. And then the rest of the guys are back-end guys to me. Uh, Kyle Gibson, Kenta Maeda with Detroit, uh, Lance Lynn, uh, kind of on his last legs there. We saw that that did not hold up well with the Dodgers after a deadline deal. Um, so to me, the, the guy they've lost out on and and you would have liked to have seen them involved with is Nola. The others are uh, not anything that would address the Red Sox problem. To, to be clear, I think you and I believe that the Red Sox have a lot of back-end candidates, whether it be Pavetta or Hauk or Whitlock or Crawford, what they need is somebody to really move the needle at the top of that rotation and then maybe a number three guy. In a perfect world, we've discussed that Yamamoto and Montgomery would be the best pair for them. Give them a clear number one as long, uh, along with a lefty who could slot in maybe either at two or three. Now, look, that's a lot of money. Yamamoto, we know, is going to go more than $200 million. Montgomery's probably going to get north of one fifty. Um, so that's a sizable investment, and there's going to be plenty of competition for both of those guys. Uh, but of the free agents, nobody that I would worry about missing out on other than Nola so far. Yeah, I agree with that. You look at some of the guys that came off, and those are the types of guys where you know the depth addition is always on the table for any team looking to add. But for the Red Sox, a guy like, you know, I know Kyle Gibson had a pretty good year and, and Lynn, you know, got 12 million guys, things like that. But guys like that are, you know, if they're still available in February and March, maybe this team takes a flyer to try to add some depth. 
right now, you know, that's not kind of the market they should be shopping in. And we've talked no, they about should, they should be shooting higher at this point. Yep, a lot. And you know, we've talked about Yamamoto, we've talked about Montgomery, and we will a little later as it pertains to his off-season residence. But um, the you know, you talk about those two guys, Yamamoto and Montgomery, as your perfect fits. It, it doesn't often work out where you know you just go out and get those two guys that seem perfect. So um, I'm sure there's contingency plans being laid. You had an interesting report yesterday talking to people in the game about what the Red Sox are doing, who they're interested in, and um, some reporting about the trade market that um, while they are interested in trades, according to the sources you talk to, they are not involved with one of the premier starting pitchers on the trade market. And if you could kind of just fill people in who missed it. Yeah. Um, so we we just outlined a number of free agents who came off the board and noted that most of them were not particularly good fits for the Red Sox with Nola being the exception. And that sort of uh, slots in with what I've been uh, told by some people in the game who had discussions with the Red Sox out at the GM meetings in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. And the message those people heard was that the Red Sox intend to first focus more on the trade market. And if they're unable to fill their needs that way, then they might pivot to the free agent market. Now, we think that Yamamoto might be the exception there, uh, but the fact that that is proceeding slowly probably plays into the Red Sox hands here as they first examine uh, their their trade options. The interesting thing is that at a time when there's maybe about five frontline starters thought to be on the trade market, and I would put in that group Corbin Burns of Milwaukee, uh, Shane Bieber of Cleveland, Tyler Glasnow of Tampa Bay. However, unlikely it would seem that the, the Rays would deal someone like that and risk him getting extended to a division rival. He is a guy that is known to be out there. And then Dylan Cease with the White Sox. And uh, speaking to somebody who was familiar with what was going on with the White Sox, uh, the indication was that the Red Sox had not really been active there on Dylan Cease. Now, some of that may harken back to the deadline from last early August when the Red Sox at the 11th hour did kind of kick the tires on Dylan Cease. And according to WEI.com, uh, part of the asking price, and I underscore the word part, uh, we don't know what the full proposal was, but the White Sox indicated that the only deal they'd be interested in making with the Red Sox that would send Cease to Boston would include Brian Bayo going to Chicago. And obviously that's a non-starter right out of the gate for the Red Sox. Yes, Dylan Cease has the potential to be a number one guy. He finished second in Cy Young voting in 2022, had something of an off year this past season, but you're acquiring, acquiring two years of control of Dylan Cease, and you have five years of control remaining on Brian Bayo. So you're depleting the homegrown starter that you've been looking for and five years of affordable service time for two years at the high end of cost for Dylan Cease. That makes zero sense there. So um, maybe they're in on Bieber, maybe they're in on Burns, maybe they're in on Glass now. But what we've been able to find out, at least to date, is that they have not been among the teams being most aggressive with Dylan Cease. 
And I'll add to that, you know, the Red Sox and a few other teams around baseball. And I've heard varying accounts of this from different people who have, you know, kind of been uh, in different roles in these negotiations at the trade deadline. The Red Sox and other teams at that point were under the impression that the White Sox, who kind of, you know, didn't make Cease available throughout the summer and then said, all right, hit me with your offers uh, at the end there in, in July. Red Sox thought he was going to the Orioles. Um, and they thought a division rival was going to get even stronger. We obviously know the Orioles won 101 games, but um, you know they got Jack Flaherty that day. I think they set their sights on Cease, and they, by uh, a few rival teams, thought that they were pretty close on that. So I think the Orioles are a team to watch on Cease, uh, the Red Sox not being involved. A little bit surprising, um, but alas, that is what we've heard, or you've heard. So you also had a note about Blake Snell yesterday, uh, if you want to touch on that. Yeah, it certainly seems as though um, this is a guy who would prefer to pitch on the West Coast. We know that he is a native of Seattle. Uh, there was a reference on the recent, uh, I think, Thursday, Sunday night or whenever the Seahawks were last on Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, uh, Thanksgiving uh, night uh, with the Seahawks home with San Francisco. Uh, Snell was there and kind of a you know, celebrity capacity, ringing the bell or whatever you do before kickoff in Seattle at Seahawks games and telling people that his preference would be to pitch in his hometown in Seattle. Now, we know that the Mariners already have a deep rotation uh, where they have uh, Rob Ray, a former Cy Young Award winner who's recovering from Tommy John. But One, grunt, can- one grunt at a time, yes. Yes, uh, tight pants and all. Uh, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, uh, you know, there are some quality starters there to the point where some people believe that uh, the Red Sox and Mariners might match up in terms of uh, the Red Sox needing young starters, controllable starters, and perhaps the Mariners having some interest in some high-end prospects on the part of the Red Sox. You know, would Marcelo Meyer enter the equation there if they were looking for their shortstop of the future and willing to discuss either Kirby or Gilbert with several years of control left? But Snell has made it clear that he wishes or would prefer to go home and pitch in Seattle. Whether that's an eventuality or not, we'll have to see. The Mariners have scaled back their payroll a little bit in the last couple of years. Don't know that they'd be going, you know, 25 to 30 million AAV, which is what it's going to take to get Snell on a long-term deal. Somebody already 30 years old, that's something of a risky investment, of course, as all older free agent pitchers are. Um, But uh, don't know that Snell makes a lot of sense for the Red Sox. We've talked about the fact that he can be very up and down and that until this past year, I don't think he had ever pitched more than 180 innings in a game in a season. So, again, doesn't fill that innings either uh, role that the Red Sox would seem to be in the market for. I thought 300 innings in a season was the most impressive feat, but 180 innings in a game. I know my day. Right. I know Smokey, Smokey Joe used to do that. Pardon me? Smokey Joe would do that when you covered him. I, I don't know about Smokey Joe Wood, but Mickey Lolich would routinely hit 300 innings a year. And yeah. Put the shape he was in. Very exciting stuff. Uh, we'll get to the Jordan Montgomery note, which, again, went out to our subscribers yesterday. A tick before it went on the site. So if that's not a tease, I don't know what is. Um, this is one of those, like... I think it was good reporting, but at the same time, I felt like we were more like tabloid reporters than we ever have been before with uh, 
the uh, kind of the the family situation, stuff like that. But if it's news, it's news. For those who missed it, don't know how you could have because I've tweeted it nine times. Jordan Montgomery, who is a South Carolina native, he went to the University of South Carolina, which for those of you who don't know, they erroneously refer to as Carolina, even though it's not it's not the correct term for that school. No reason why. And he has lived there and, and been uh, in the South his whole life, obviously. Pitched for the Yankees, lived in the Northeast a little bit. Um, but interestingly, his wife uh, is a doctor, a dermatology resident, and she has started her residency at a Boston hospital. This means that Jordan Montgomery, who was uh, a big key in winning a World Series for the Texas Rangers over the winter, uh, fall, obviously, has decided that he is going to move here to Boston, which is not a typical off-season locale for major leaguers, and he's going to spend the off-season and winter here. That includes throwing at Boston College and working out there. He has been there for the last couple weeks. That does not mean he is signing with the Red Sox, but it means he's getting familiar with the city. If that's a place that his family sees as a potential long-term fit, you know maybe that plays in the Red Sox favor. As I wrote, and as I've noted multiple times, these guys almost always go for the most money. But if all things are equal and he has similar offers from different teams and enjoys his time here in the next couple months, which, uh, again, it's the winter, so tough sell, potentially. I think it's something that could play in the Red Sox favor and, and probably something that couldn't hurt. So that's what we had yesterday oh. that Mo- Montgomery is now a Boston resident, at least for now. It's a good separator or a good potential separator, right? If If you have three or four offers that are somewhat similar in length in AAV. Uh, You have the feeling that most of these teams are going to be competitive and give you a chance to win again. Um, Then the fact that one team in the running uh, plays in the city in which your wife has a professional commitment to for the next couple of years, that would seem to be a, significant factor now the Red Sox have to get in the game here they have to be on the same financial terms as a handful of other teams that are going to be bidding for Jordan Montgomery Uh, they've probably got to make some other improvements to sell him on their chance to compete and a chance to get back to another World Series Um, you, you figure that someone winning one sometimes that goes one of two ways uh it 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 fulfills a goal to the point where a free agent might say well i've already won now i'm going to take the best deal out there financially for my family or it could whet the appetite and have you think wow winning was a great experience i'm going to get greedy i don't want to have just one ring i want several in which case the quality of the team is going to be a big factor so as i said the red sox have some work to do if they're going to get in this game but they do have to extend the poker metaphor here. They do have the proverbial ace up their sleeve here in that they have the advantage of being in the city where Montgomery's wife is going to be spending a lot of time the next few years. You have to think that all other things being equal or close to equal, that could be a considerable factor in his decision-making. Side note, when you think of a guy who takes that first option, okay, I want a title now I'm going to sign for a massive amount and never be heard from in a relevant, important situation again. Is there anybody who hits that quite like Chris Bryant? Yeah, true. Great start to his career with the Cubs. 
uh, is part of a historic Cubs team that will always be remembered in Chicago, left for a lot of money, um, and uh, has not been the same in two stops since uh, once a trade and then the free agent uh, cash in in Denver. I'm just saying, you know, like a guy that tasted the World Series, you're not with all due respect to the Rockies, who have been horrendous the last few years. I knew we covered them in a World Series, but um, they was, are not the of glory, and it was over. Right. Um, but back to Montgomery, yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said, as you said, not going to be the deciding factor here. I mean, maybe it will be one of the deciding factors, not going to be the main thing, but worth noting. And, you know, he is, uh, I, I, there was a great tweet someone sent me yesterday, and I don't say that phrase very often, um, saying, I'm going to go down to Boston College to their facilities and boo him so he gets used to the entire Boston experience, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. So uh, I don't think that's actually going to happen. But again, Jordan Montgomery's in town. Um, you know, maybe some Red Sox fan will take him out somewhere and uh, take him to uh, Lucky's Lounge in the Seaport and see what life is like. Show him what life is like. If only we had a BC connection, say, on the faculty that could you know, pull some strings and get him on the podcast to talk about his experiences. Yeah. You know, we we separate church and state. That's a side gig. So this is the real one. Um, That's the guy wearing the UNC merch. Right. Allegiances don't die. Uh, We'll go with. I have my Providence College black on here. I didn't feel the need to have the gaudy logo to show my alma mater Mm -hmm. as you did. Uh, that may be some insecurity on your part. I understand that, uh, but I am rocking my alma mater colors as well here. No white except for the beard. So there you have it, black and white. Providence College, Providence College Friar. Well, that's you know the shirt with the logo because the logo has changed fifteen times in the last seventy years since graduation day. So that's probably also playing a role. We'll move on to Yoshinobu Yamamoto here. Um, a timetable for those of us going to the winter meetings and covering this team that I looked at it and said, I oh, will take that as a small win, knowing that he is not going to sign during the winter meetings. Um, but I think it does have an impact on the rest of the market. Andy Martino of SNY reporting that the Reds, uh, that a lot of teams are going to be, and I, I slipped there, but I think the Red Sox are almost definitely among them. will be meeting with Yamamoto over zoom this week. He was in the United States, spotted at the Lakers game. Um, I think he was meeting with his agents at Wasserman uh, and kind of setting the scene for free agency. He's returned to Japan where he's going to do Zoom calls with a bunch of teams who are interested. Um, you know, I bet there's 15 teams that want to talk. And, you know, Joel Wolf has said that in, in his pr- previous comments and everything. So the Red Sox are, are definitely going to be involved there. And then he's going to whittle the list down and figure out finalists after that return to the States unclear if he's going to do ballpark visits unclear how he's going to go about that exactly. But, um, you know, I think people looked at the way they got Yoshida done last year and thought, Oh, well the posting windows open, he's just going to sign somewhere. And that's just not really how it ever works. And this is a different recruitment. Half the league's involved and half the league's going to offer a lot of money. So that will probably come the decision day will be, um, in about two weeks or two plus weeks. And that leaves, um, the musical chairs in the free agent market kind of dangling a little bit. It didn't stop Gray and Nola for signing. But if you're a guy like Jordan Montgomery, if you're a guy like Blake Snell, some of these guys who are available, um, or if you're a team with a trade chip like Glass now or Cease, 
maybe you wait a little bit to one of these teams that missed out on Yamamoto and is willing to get desperate and offer more. I think that's a very real thing. Do I think it's going to completely stall the market? No. Do I think it's going to slow things down? Yes, he is the premier guy. He's the best guy available. Any team that wants a front-end pitcher is in on him first, and then the rest of the market follows. Um, to me, you know, the fact that Nola and Gray are off the board suggests that guys are going to be willing to sign if it's the right situation. But this is, I think, going to make things, not that they're fast now, but slow down even more. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I see that point, but I also think that there are so many teams – who are <clears throat> like the Red Sox, very much in the market for multiple starters. Uh, and we know that, you know, John Heyman for one person has named as many as eight teams who are looking for two starting pitchers. Now, obviously, those can come in any manner of, of uh, acquisition methods. You can sign a domestic free agent. You can sign an international free agent. You can make a trade. There's a lot that can happen there, but when you think about, and he, to be fair, was including St. Louis as one of the teams, they've already gotten their three starters. So that might be down to seven teams looking for multiple starters, but that's 14 pitching slots available. And while it might behoove Snell and uh, some others that, that we've talked about, like Montgomery, to wait and hope that the teams who lose out on Yamamoto are desperate enough to overpay for their services. You could also see teams being very aggressive and going after guys like Snell and Montgomery early and locking one of them down before Yamamoto decides where he's going and how high the bar is going to be set for free agent starters this year. So a couple of ways of looking at that. Uh, we should also note that the two big guys that have signed so far, that would be Nola in Philadelphia and Gray in St. Louis, uh, had identified those teams as their clear favorites going in. Nola had spent his entire career with the Phillies, was open to going elsewhere, but made it clear that his preference was to stay as long as they got in uh, the, the market value neighborhood, which the Phillies did, even though a couple of other teams were willing to go more on. And Gray had said yesterday that from the start of free agency, uh, he was thinking about St. Louis. So uh, that could explain why those two came off the board rather quickly. But you never know uh, with the other guys like Snell and Montgomery, uh, they could make decisions prior to Yamamoto or they could wait it out and try to uh, get the bidding going for those who missed out on him. Yeah, I guess it could go either way. I just think, you know, why not? get a desperate team who loses out. And I think that might be the case. Um, again, if there's an offer on the table, we've seen this in the past, you know, the offer now, it might not be the offer in a few weeks. So guys might be more um, willing to take it. We will uh, be back to interesting, uh, <laughs> potentially to interesting guests on the Fenway rundown. We have locked down one for Friday, Sean, and it is, it is the great David Ortiz. Big Poppy will join us on Friday. Uh, he has his golf tournament coming up, um, and he wants to talk about that, but he also wants to talk about the Red Sox and state of baseball and all kinds of things, and we will speak to him on Friday. That episode uh, will be up at some point Friday afternoon, and we're working on another guest to confirm. Can't quite reveal that yet. 
but hopeful of having a second episode either Wednesday or Thursday. We'll keep you up to date and a good way to stay up to date. Good. I don't even have to prompt it. Said segueing smoothly uh, is the Fenway Rundown Insider Text Program, uh, which is easy to join. People are enjoying it. We're enjoying working with them. You have questions, comments, theories, anything you want to rant about or know about with the Red Sox, you can text me, Chris Cotillo and Chris Smith. We will personally respond to you. It's $4.99 a month, but that comes with a 14-day trial period at the beginning. And all you have to do to join is text JOIN to 617-751-6257. Then smash that link, as the kids say, and subscribe today. Please don't ever do that again. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.